This is Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon, and for the next few weeks, we're going to do things slightly different for the show in an effort to focus on well-being and mental wellness to start off 2023. We're inviting Dermot Rooney and Jill Fisk, two of our colleagues here at CHA, to guide us through an intentional meditative conversation on the foundational concepts of well-being and how we can begin to incorporate them into our lives. We hope you enjoy these special episodes of Health Calls. Well, hello and welcome. My name is Jill Fisk, Director of Mission Services for the Catholic Health Association. And today I'm so pleased to be joined by my colleague, Dermot Rooney, who serves as Interim Vice President, Sponsorship and Mission Services alongside me at CHA. Dermot, welcome. Thank you, Jill. Great to be here. It is great to have you. So today, what we'd like to do is introduce uh, the work that we've begun around well-being. CHA began work uh, around well-being at the start of the pandemic in an effort to help sustain mind, body, spirit of our coworkers across our Catholic health ministry. This fall, we, in collaboration with a well-being task force, a group of, of representatives from across our member ministries, we surveyed our members. And in this survey, our survey findings indicated that we really needed to reemphasize purpose and meaning for our healthcare colleagues. And this is what we do well at CHA, to re-inspire mission, vision, and values and help our leaders offer it back to their teams. Absolutely. And what a joy that it is that we get to do this. It's, it's hard to believe that they call this work. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. <laughs> So well-being, we believe, comes back to a few key elements. And dear Mid, I'm, I'm so excited that you're going to help me unpack that a bit. But it's really intentionality, time, relationship. Um, all of these things add up to what is our life, what we do with our hours, how we receive uh, well, well-being for ourselves, and how we offer it back, especially in this ministry of caregiving. It's really our rhythm for living and loving Mm. and serving. We know that when we live purposefully, we can be a source of life for others. So when we think about, I want to just sort of unpack kind of the the framework, the approach that we've put together at CHA, because rhythms are really habits are at the heart of intentional living, uh, we've developed some simple rhythms that we look forward to seeing our leaders engage with their teams in huddles, uh, in team meetings, um, whatever it takes to build those into rhythms. So as a ministry, as as people, 700,000 of us uh, all working together to further the Ministry of Catholic Healthcare. We're gonna we're gonna invite you into uh, these these sort of days of rhythm. So I'd I'd like to just explain that a bit, if if that would be all right. So that, I think that's a really good idea, Joe. So let, we're gonna start with Mission Monday. Uh, we believe that we have been called uh, personally and professionally uh, to this work of Catholic healthcare, um, that, that it's so important um, that we can renew why it is we do what we do. Uh, we forget, we forget hour to hour, we forget day to day. And Mission Monday reminds us that we are a, large, we are a part of something much larger than ourselves. 
Time to Think Tuesday is really that day to, to recenter ourselves that we are thinking, feeling, moving beings. And this is, you know, space to think. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about it um, mm. as our conversation continues. But um, it's a, it's a countercultural approach, uh, especially for those of us in in healthcare who productivity matters. Um, we have we can we need dashboards, um, and we can dashboard the heck out of things. But uh, time to think Tuesday helps us renew, returning us back uh, to that that place of. Um, well, I'd just like to call it sort of spirit inspired and divine intellection. Oh, that's beautiful, Jill. I mean, reclaiming time to think, I think, is one of the lost arts of what it means to be present and to be a leader in any whatever position we hold in healthcare. So that's time to think Tuesday. Wonder Wednesday is sort of the the place where we can tap into uh, we are we're made for more, and we're made for to have that capacity to be wowed. There are moments that happen in every day. Um, some of them happen within the healthcare setting. Many of them happen without us even realizing it. If we if we step out into nature, um, nature's capacity to dialogue with us that we are a part of something larger, and there's the, the, it's the unexplainable mystery. Exactly, and all of the evidence, all of the science points to spending time in nature. It actually rejuvenates us in a way that actually leads to a sense of happiness. All of these studies, so it's 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 almost like it's a given now. How do we invite ourselves into nature so that um, we can nourish ourselves more fully? Thankful Thursday, and the studies are out on this: how gratitude changes our our neural pathways. Um, that when we can take in what is beautiful, uh, when we can reflect back and name that, uh, gratitude reshapes us. I think this is one of the core features um, of everything that we're talking about around well-being. What does a disposition of gratitude look like in our lives? And then how do we notice how that changes us? It's just an extraordinarily different way that we show up in the world if we show up with an attitude of gratitude. Absolutely. And then Refocus Friday. I like to think of Refocus Friday as sort of the bookends to our week. We have we have two segments to our week, right? Most of us. We have that eight that oftentimes we have that eight to five Monday to Friday gig, and then we've got the weekend. But we've got this day in the middle um, that can can be one of those days where we're just, you know, sliding right on into the weekend. Or to live intentionally means it can be the place where we stop and think, am I living out what I intended for Mission Monday? How am I doing on that? What needs to happen today to sort of continue that work, not only today on Refocus Friday, but even into the next week? Or what am I going to need for the weekend in order to to continue uh, what I've set in motion for Mission Monday? So. And I think we have to be very intentional about this. I mean, I actually block out time on my calendar specifically to review what's happened during the week, not just in terms of my to-do list, but also in terms of my relationships and then looking forward to the following week. So there's a whole intentionality behind Refocus Friday that I think um, can be incredibly um, valuable to how we center ourselves 
and really know what we're doing when we're doing it rather than just getting caught up in the craziness and the freneticness that we often do, especially on a Friday. Or numbing out. Exactly, exactly, Joe. So this, that, that's Friday, is Refocus Friday is reflective living. Then Worthy Weekend, um, again, it's one of those places we can find ourselves, you know, binge watching Netflix on the couch. And there's, while there may be value in that, um, and while we're, we, we don't have to, you know, live with purpose minute by minute by minute, but Worthy Weekend really is a place for us to be able to recharge um, mm-hmm. and and I and I like to think you know from our Catholic Christian tradition that this is a place community is so important and relationships are where we find generativity where we find life where we get to live out all of those places that we've thought about during the week gratitude and compassion um, we need the people that are the closest to us to we need to pour into them and we need them to pour into us oh that's Beautifully said. And I also think rest. How do we take rest? How do we really, to use the traditional word of Sabbath, how do we actually take that rest so that we can actually be truly recharged and not just again turn the weekend into another to-do list, which um, is, I think, um, something that we can fall into the habit of so easily. So the question is, how do we live well? Um, when we think about Renew Year, we've named our approach Renew Year for a reason. This really is about habits. And Dermot, I am um, I'm just reminded that there's nothing new. Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes, reminds us that there's nothing new under the sun. And so as we move mm. into Renew Year, um, this is not uh, trying to do something new. But it's sort of rethinking what we already do um, in a way that's congruent with our Catholic Christian tradition and this place we've been called to serve. So what I'd like to do now, um, we think about when we think about rhythmic living, um, it's not new to us for Catholic healthcare. We know that our our founders, all our Catholic health ministry across the United States, were they our founders were a part of religious con- congregations whose hours and days were ordered by prayer and service prayer and service prayer and right. service this back and forth and like our founders the earliest christian communities from the 3rd and 4th centuries lived their days in the same way prayer and service contemplation and action and so from then the desert mothers and fathers we can learn a great deal about what it means to live in rhythm. And I have, I know that you uh, have some specific expertise uh, here. And, and so I'm curious, would you help us? How might the rhythms of our desert mothers and fathers be pearls of wisdom as we embark on this renew year? Oh, a fascinating question, Jill. Well, of course, we must first remember that our Christian ancestors lived at a unique time with a very different worldview. But our common humanity remains the same. And for all Christians, our inspiration is Jesus' radical message that God loves us and out of that love created us and invites us to love each other and the world entrusted to us. This is what rhythm, I believe, Jill, this is what rhythm and well-being meant to our desert fathers and mothers. Mm. And to say that explicitly, it means to live in such a way as to be authentic to our true nature in relationship with this loving God and each other, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And is not the same true for us today? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, how do we live in relationship with our loving God in accordance with the authentic nature of our bodies, hearts, minds and spirit? I truly believe if one of these holy men or women were standing here with us today, they would completely recognise this understanding of well-being. And this, I think, is at the heart of what you just said, Jill, of Mission Monday. Because in practice, this mission believes that every person, regardless of status, health, wealth or any other attributes, good or bad, is a sacred reflection of God's creation. And as such, is bestowed with love and dignity in body, heart, mind and, of course, spirit. This, I think, is a radical vision of what human well-being means. Pyramid, this is profound. This is distinct from other approaches to well-being. This is a it, it, what, what I hear you saying is this is a return to love. Exactly, Joe. And that's and that was at the center. That remember that was at the center focus for our early founders. Of course, it was exactly Jesus's message. And there's nothing idealistic about what we're talking about here or about what they they have to offer as we'll see because it was uncovered in the reality of lived experience. Because like us, they lived in a crazy world with famines, wars and big noisy cities, which they believed undermined their health and well-being. So they moved, or some of them indeed ran to the desert as a way of dealing with this external craziness. And what happened? Well, they immediately were confronted with their own personal internal craziness <laughs> and the effect that this has on our well-being and their relationship with each other and with God. I think we can relate to this. Yes, we can. (laughs) And out of this lived experience, some of the key practices they developed, I believe, are their biggest gift to our practice of well-being today. Tell us. Well, first and foremost, they realized that the key to establishing a rhythm in in one's daily life is the importance of paying attention to what is going on in the here and now, in one's body, heart, mind and spirit. This is what they called nourishing our inner landscape. Wow, that's a picture. It is a picture. And how, how do we cultivate the practice of paying attention to our bodies so as to nourish them? Like what food do we eat? What exercise do we do? And all that goes with body care right down to posture. So this internal landscape and cultivating this internal landscape was very explicit for them when it came to body. And of course, when it comes to the mind, the, atten- the practice of attention to our minds means letting go of all the thinking that doesn't nourish and focusing instead on thoughts that nourish and heal and then paying attention to our hearts, Jill. This is probably one of the most important things for the desert fathers and mothers because the heart was a central organ of perception. And they really believed that we had to cultivate living with an open heart so as to accept ourselves and others with compassion and loving kindness. And this is where it comes to the pause, the taking time. Because we can't really have a worthwhile sense of well-being unless we're intentionally taking care of and paying attention to our bodies, nourishing our minds and being very focused on what we give our hearts to. I mean, we could spend a whole other podcast on these. We really could. But 
there is one practice that unites everything that the desert and father, fathers and mothers were concerned about, and that's the practice of meditation. Mm. Tell us more. Well, many people are familiar with the terms meditation and mindfulness, but not necessarily with the practices. And I think very simply, mindfulness is the human ability to be present, aware of where we are and what we're doing, and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us, which is so easy to fall into. Meditation, if you like, is the exercise that one does to strengthen our capacity to be mindful and present, the same way as physical exercise is what we do in order to become fit. Now, meditation, of course, can take many forms, and each of us must find our own way on this journey. And I believe it's St. Ambrose who counsels us to pray as you can, not as you can't. And as you know, Jill, there's many resources Um, multiple resources on meditation, including the ones that we have on our own CHA website, uh, which we really encourage people to look at if they're coming to this for the first time. Exactly. And I think we'll link those in the show notes. But what I hear you saying is there's one form of prayer is not better than another? No, there's no hierarchy when it comes to prayer. But there is a particular practice when it comes to meditation. And for the Desert Fathers and Mothers, their deep insight was to place one's attention on one's breath and on a word or a phrase, which for them was found in scripture and often called sacred reading. And I really believe, Jill, that these practitioners knew that breath was the royal road to embodiment and to being present. And I don't think that can be emphasized enough. And for them, it was straight out of mm-hmm. scripture. You know, the, they, they, it was a given that Brett was a profound gift from God who had breathed life into the first human, as we learn in the book of Genesis. And then explicitly it says that Jesus Christ breathed the gift of the Holy Spirit onto the disciples. And of course, the meaning of the word breath is in fact spirit. So to focus on one's breathing anchors us in the present moment and prepares us to receive the gift of the Spirit. And I think if we do short or extended periods of focused attention, that it enables us, as the teachers taught, it enables us to tune out the noise of the internal and external worlds and to tune into the present moment where we reside in God's presence. Um, you know, it would be remiss to not say that the, the science is in on this. This mm-hmm. is not just something that came from, you know, 1500 years ago. But the fact that 1500 years ago, our tradition was talking about it is quite incredible. And not just our tradition, other spiritual traditions as well. But now we have Harvard Medical School researchers, among many others, who can show empirically that intentionally centering attention on our breathing creates a whole chain of neurological, physiological and psychological responses that can shift us from our often unconscious, tense, flight, fright posture to a more embodied, relaxed presence. So Jill, taking even that five minutes, you know, to begin with and then starting to notice the effect of it, because one finds that the practice of meditation, you'll If you do stay with it, and that's the hardest part, the ego doesn't like to meditate, but if you do stay with it, it nourishes our body. And scientifically, we know now that it gives us greater energy, it lowers blood pressure, 
and creates a sense of calmness in the body. And meditation also nourishes our minds. We become more aware of the quality of our thoughts and emotions, how they influence each other, how to deal with them, how to be more responsive and less reactive. Hmm. Meditation makes us mindful. Yes. And, you know, as, as I hear you explaining sort of the goodness of meditation, I think about all of the associates that serve Catholic health care that may not identify as Christian. And I love very much that this ministry allows room for, and when we think about, you know, well-being and meditation sort of at the heart of, of well-being, that there is a space for those who come from multiple, from different faith traditions to still find their grounding in their sacred. Exactly, Joe. There is as much complementary secular practices in meditation as there is Christian or other religious practices. I mean, we can actually we can actually do a practice right now. And all are welcome. I'd, exactly. I'd love it for you to lead us through. Yeah, let's just take a moment just to do a three-minute practice. And um, as Jill said, um, this is open to anybody. This is not doesn't require a religious disposition. But it's something that I do deeply invite you into as a gift to yourself and one that can keep giving. So if it's appropriate for you now, let's come into a posture of comfort and receptivity. If it feels comfortable, Feel free to lower your gaze or close your eyes. And now simply find your breath. And notice as you do that immediately there is a shift in attention. When we move our attention to our breathing, we move into the present. And we now have the capacity to be more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we will use our breath as the anchor for this reflection. When we drift off, as we will in thoughts and emotions, we simply return to our breathing. Now gently and aligned with your breath, become aware of your body. Notice the sensations in your body. Bring your attention to your feet on the ground. Feel your toes and come up through your legs, relaxing any muscles that you are holding too tightly. Your hips. Let your tummy flop. Your arms and those shoulders, a great place of tension. And up your neck to your face, a gentle smile relaxes thousands of muscles. Notice your jaw and your eyes. And now do a gentle body scan and notice the change in your body. And realize that when we are in our bodies, we really are in the here and now. It's like a homecoming of sorts. And of course, for Christians, this is really what sacred embodiment means. Now gently bring your full attention to the center of your chest, your heart center, 
What do you notice here? You may feel an expansive or even a deep sense of compassion or perhaps some restriction. Regardless, just notice and let it go. The sacred heart is always awaiting our attention to come online in the service of that which is. Breathe into this. And finally, we bring our attention to our head center. And you may notice a certain spaciousness as you breathe into this part of your being. Beyond monkey mind and busy brain, this spaciousness creates the potential for receptivity, a renewed curiosity as we bring our awareness and receptivity to the divine. Now, imagine a line from the top of your head flowing down through your heart, through your solar plexus, into the ground. Notice how you are in these three centers of intelligence. Our body, the sacred temple, grounded. Our heart, our sacred heart, open in compassion. And our head, spacious and receptive. And we simply sit with this for a moment of silence inviting the spirit into our midst as we align our individual and collective spirit in humble cooperation. So Jill, this is a great practice, I think, as part of your overall meditation or prayer practice. This has been another episode of Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. You can listen to Health Calls anywhere you find podcasts. You can also visit the website of CHA, chausa.org slash podcast to download and to get more information about each episode. As always, we want to share our appreciation with Clayton Studios and Brian Hartman, who engineered this episode, and our producer, Josh Matica. Thanks for listening. 